You're listening to the Quince podcast. On 9th July, the Uttar Pradesh government released a draft of the proposed Population Control Sterilization and Welfare Bill 2021 with an aim to make a two-child policy mandatory for those who wish to avail government benefits. Two days later on the occasion of World Population Day the government also released the state's population policy saying that it aims to bring down the birth rate to 2.1 by 2026 and also reduce maternal and infant mortality rates. While it's a fact that since Uttar Pradesh along with Bihar makes up for about 23% of the whole country's population making it quite important for population control strategies to be put in place can the Uttar Pradesh government's proposed measures achieve its intended goal? Shailaja Chandra the former secretary in the Ministry of Health weighs in on the hotly discussed subject she also talks about experience on ground from when she served as the first executive director of the Jansankhya Sthirata Kosh or the National Population Stabilization Fund While the subject of population control is widely discussed by the Indian public it is not a subject which has received much political attention the prime minister had referred to it in his independence day address no doubt in 2017 but after he had alluded to it and in particular the irresponsibility of parents um in not following the need to look after the size of the population and their contribution to it we suddenly have population becoming a very important subject with two states in the country uttar pradesh and assam bringing it on the front burner today was world population day and the chief minister of uttar pradesh yogi adityanath had not only unveiled a population policy for the state but he had also had the draft he must have approved the draft being put up on the website seeking objections and there seems to be a very short time given to the public to react which means that there is every expectation that it will be introduced in the assembly now it's important to look at what are the contents and what are the aims and objectives sought to be served and are they really going to have the desired effect first and foremost i am not quarreling with the idea of population and the need for population stabilization and if anyone has to do something it is uttar pradesh i'll come to how huge that problem is and therefore paying attention to it should have started 30 20 10 years ago in right earnest it did not as the first executive director of the national population stabilization fund it was called the janasankhya sthirata kosh it has been folded up but that is not the subject of today's podcast but when i was there as its first executive director i made it a mission to try and meet the two chief ministers mainly of uttar pradesh and bihar In Uttar Pradesh I was invited to Lucknow and I was hoping that I would get to meet the chief minister it was then um Ms um Mayavati ji 
But at the last minute, I was told to instead meet her cabinet secretary. And although I made an impassioned plea about what was happening and the very high fertility and what needed to be done by Uttar Pradesh, I was generally, you know, heard with um, politeness and with assurances that something would be done. But I did not get the feeling that anything really important would be done. And therefore, when um, the Chief Minister of Uttar Pradesh has put it on the front burner, it is something that should be applauded. But it is also important to look at the content of what is sought to be done and whether the real aim that is sought to be achieved will be achieved through these measures. What the policy tries to bring out is that they're going to try and reduce the fertility rate, where now the Uttar Pradesh, Bihar and um, some of the Hindi belt states are still to achieve the 2.1 uh, stabilization, the replacement levels of fertility, which most of India has already attained. So one is that, the second is that they want to lower maternal and infant mortality, they want to reduce the undernourishment, malnourishment problems, they want to reduce under five mortality. These are all very good goals and need to be pursued. But in a way, they are only statements of intent, unless you have schemes and strategies and programs and budgets to support this. Uh, it can be said at any time and therefore one has to look at what is sought to be actually achieved through this population control uh, policy and the bill that has been introduced. The point that the Western world and maybe many progressive countries invested in population stabilization decades ago and were able to control their population is really very well known. And India was the first signatory to um, the population policy of 1951. But after the emergency, the whole subject of population went underground. And although generations after that have not heard of the forced sterilization measures of the emergency and are not at all aware of what happened, even then, politically, it has always been a no-no to talk about population. So I would say to that extent, the fact that it has been brought on the front burner is excellent. Now, what I find odd is that there is a huge focus on what will happen to government servants who have two and even better if they have one child. If that is done, they will get all kinds of things like extra increments and um, loans for building houses and uh, fast track um, approvals for getting all kinds of other benefits and admissions even for children who um, are capable of getting into prestigious institutions, including, I expect, the All India Institute of Medical Sciences is what is referred to. It must be the Uttar Pradesh aims not the national one. Um, so all this is nothing but incentives. And if you don't do it, there are certainly, uh, there is um, a feeling in the policy and in the bill that there would be uh, some sort of um, visitation if you do not really subscribe to what is expected of you. 
Of course, maternity leave, paternity leave, all those things which are very progressive have also been thought through. One big loophole in the Adityanath government's proposal, Ms. Chandra notes, is that all the measures are directed towards government workers while ignoring the rest of the population of Uttar Pradesh. She says that it's imperative that the population question be dealt at a granular level. But the question is, even if Uttar Pradesh has a very large number of government servants, it is nothing, nothing compared to the size of the state. The population of Uttar Pradesh is about... um, 212 million, which is really the size of a country like Brazil. Uttar Pradesh by itself, along with Bihar, is about 23% of the whole country. So therefore, to uh, really, you know, talk about government servants alone and give them so much primacy, I mean, they're a captive uh, group under your control and you can pretty much do whatever you want. But if you're going to visit them with any kind of punishment, well, that will also lead to problems because there will be all kinds of constitutional issues which will come up as a result of doing that kind of, it amounts to some sort of a coercion. Now, as far as the general public is concerned, they would, I mean, the the law as well as the policy only speaks about their getting certain benefits. And certainly those below the poverty line would get 80,000 rupees if they stick to the norm that has been specified. And if it's 80,000, if it's a boy baby and lakh if it's a girl baby, that sounds generous. But it is at the cost of ensuring that those couples really go in for sterilization because it's only then that they can really uh, say that they have complied. And whether that kind of compliance can be upheld legally and constitutionally has yet to be seen. But without going into the legality of the matter, I do feel that certain things have to be Um, put on the table and that is that the action to prevent unwanted pregnancies particularly in Uttar Pradesh and of course Bihar also is urgently required. The women in rural UP are still giving birth to four or more children in some districts and the contraceptive prevalence rate is less than 10%. So can you imagine if an average district has a population of 2 or 2.5 million, maybe even 3 million, and if the couples in the reproductive age, 90% of them are not using contraception in the the, uh, districts which have high fertility, it would be really disastrous. And that is what really required to be looked at on a granular level, not at 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 a state level. In many districts, neither Hindus nor Muslims use modern family planning methods at all. In such a scenario, children will be born compromised at birth and add to India's burden of malnourished, stunted kids who will pull back the gains of having a young population. And so therefore, it is important that this whole subject of population and fertility and contraception be addressed. But at a granular level, it should really rivet on where is the problem. The problem does not lie in the urban areas. It does not lie in the towns and cities. It lies in rural districts. 
Ms. Chandra points out that given the enormity of UP's population, there's a wide variation in fertility levels owing to socio-economic and urban-rural divides. And there's also a dependence on traditional methods of contraception. And there is a substantial variation across the districts of Uttar Pradesh. And I'm going by NFHS 4 data. NFHS 5 data is soon to come out, and that would be for Uttar Pradesh. But even NFHS 4, we are talking about something about four years ago, five years ago, and it's not going to change drastically. So even if you go by their findings, what came out was that women in Uttar Pradesh are having children ranging between 1.6, those are European levels of fertility, 1.6 to 4.4 children per woman. The Tarai belt, that is at the foothills, the foothills of the, uh, uh, you know, along the, where the uh, the hills meet the plains, the Tarai belt, as it is called, towards northern UP and the adjacent districts have high fertility, while the Bundelkhand region has low fertility. In UP, couples rely much more than anywhere in the country on traditional methods, notably periodic abstinence, which has been found to be more than two times higher in UP compared to anywhere else in India. The failure rates of traditional methods of contraception have been reported to be very high and women always remain anxious and at risk. And then they have to go in for abortions, which is unfair to them and also risky because not all of them go in for medical termination early enough with the result that other methods are used, which can be extremely harmful. So we come to the whole question of will laws really help? Well, we actually have 12 states in the country, starting with Rajasthan in 1992, which had promulgated uh, laws which said that you can have only two, um, two children or face punishment. But it has had very little effect on the reproductive practices of most people in those states. And those states are really apart from Rajasthan. Uh, You have Odisha, you have Haryana, Andhra Pradesh, Himachal Pradesh, Madhya Pradesh, Chhattisgarh, Uttarakhand, Maharashtra, Gujarat, Bihar, Assam. So they all have these laws. So if they were so uh, um, capable of being implemented and the enforcement was there, why would we be having the kind of high fertility that we see in the Hindi Belt states? It may deter those who are seeking political office, but it will not affect the rest of the people and how many people are really going to be standing for political office it's a, or for a be government servants. So one is not really looking at the bigger picture of the population and just focusing on the political element and the element of government servants, which is not really going to make any difference at all apart from the fact that the legality of all this will be questioned. UP's proposals also interestingly go against the centre's warning on the flip sides of implementing coercive measures like the two-child policy. And what I find very surprising is that this law, this policy and the draft law has been put forward despite what the central government had told the Supreme Court in an affidavit as recently as December 2020. The 
central government had told the Supreme Court in an affidavit, and I'm quoting, that coercing people to have fewer children would be counterproductive, leading to demographic distortion. It expressed its disinclination towards forced family planning or population control laws. The centre also in the same affidavit said that India is a signatory to the Programme of Action of International Conference on Population and Development, known as ICPD 1994, where it unequivocally was, it had supported that there should be no coercion in family planning. Such a law also, it was added, could have the unintended impact of sex-selective and unsafe abortions and a further skew in India's sex ratio. The latest research in The Lancet shows that female feticide has spread even into rural areas and it increases with the birth of one daughter and then the second daughter. So knowing that, how can one really not have thought through such a law because one has to, in the, when you talk about um, population and stabilization, the sex ratio is extremely important. And already there are terrible stories of how girls from one state are just taken to another state to be married off because there are no girls left. And I will not go into that because that is not the subject of today's podcast, but it is something which has to be looked at very, very seriously. So what are the kind of strategies that UP could have implemented? Ms. Chandra elaborates on some of the pilot strategies that were tried out under her leadership by the Jansankhya Sthirata Kosh that had reflected positive results. Instead, I think that UP had a wonderful opportunity to do things differently. When I was in the Janasankhya Sthirata Kosh, we tried two or three strategies. And I think those strategies, although they were pilots, worked. And they were tried in districts, very, very poor districts. They were tried in Rajanandgaon, in Chhattisgarh. They were tried in Barmer, in Dholpur, in Nabrang, uh, Nabrangpur. Uh, these are all, you might say, the less... Um, I mean, the, the, the more poor districts of the country, but we took up pilots and the whole idea was that we in the Jansankhya's Kosh, which, is an, which was an autonomous body under the health ministry, and the union health minister was the um, uh, president. Now, with the approval of the governing body, I steered through their approval to be able to incentivize various things. This is not coercion, remember. This is incentivization, which means you don't put any punishment. You, in fact, reward. And what did we reward? We rewarded Uttar Daitva Matritva Pitritva, responsible parenthood. And what we did in those days, I'm talking about 2006, 7, 8, 9, that is around the time when we did this, we said that in the districts that we choose, because naturally we were not big enough to do it in every um, um, the, throughout the country, and we were focusing only on the high fertility states and districts. So we said, if a girl is married at 19, not 18, which is the legal age, and we know very well that quite a few girls are married at 17 and 16, be that as it may, we said that if a girl is married at 19, 
and she gives birth to the first baby at uh, 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 not a year later but at 21 and the second baby is born three years apart so that there's spacing well for every one of these milestones if it's a boy baby you will be paid a post office savings certificate of 5000 and if it's a girl baby 7000 and cashable in six years and that was done it was given and I do remember that we went to these uh, districts and the collector had a function and we gave these awards. I signed on the one side and the collector signed on the other. And people said, And then the district, um, you might say, newspapers covered it. And that was a means of building awareness that you got the money for being responsible, that you allowed the girl to stay free of anemia and uh, malnourishment and all that most girls are affected by so that she could be in good health when she got married. She could be in good health when the first baby came and the child was in good health by the time the second baby came. So these were, well, this was the incentive. Now I thought if UP had carried this forward, made it much more attractive, given the post office savings certificate to anyone in the districts which matter, where the fertility is high, if they had focused on those districts where the women could be tracked quite easily, because out of 75 districts, it would really mean focusing on not more than 35. If those 35 districts were taken out of the box and had been given this kind of incentivized schemes, to be able to promote having uh, later childbirths because that is the key. The childbirth is what you want to avert. The later childbirth is what you want. It's not a question of coercion of I'll not let you have more children. It is the when that matters. So therefore, I would have said that that would have been a wonderful way of being able to really get the attention of India and the world because that is something that would have given dividends in no time. Second, I do feel that this whole thing of uh, registration of marriages, deaths uh, and births has to be looked at afresh. When I was in the Janasankhya Stirata Kosh, we found that the Sarpanches and BDOs were merrily signing off any girl even at 16, 17 that she was 18 years old because people wanted to marry off their daughters young. You pay less dowry and people want a young bride, not an old bride. With the result that when we asked the Sarpanches, they said, Kya, hume koi election nahi jitna hai? Hume aise de, uh, certificate nahi denge, to kon hume um, vote dega? This was the atmosphere that prevailed then and we had recommended very strongly that this registration of births, deaths and marriages should be taken away from these uh, people, the Sarpanches and the BDOs, and it should be put under the STM, the Subdivisional Officer of uh, every Taluka. And he or she would normally be young IAS officers and they should put the house in order and be very strict about it. But that was really not taken forward and that is very important because unless the registration is done, how would you know who is being married off early? And equally, a girl in India at 18 is really not prepared for, um, you might say, um, childbearing. 
most of the girls are anemic with the result that they give birth to um, children who are also underweight and then the whole process of stunting, wasting, all that starts. That is why we have so many children, among other reasons, of course. If the girls are married later, they're allowed to um, study. Certainly all the benefits of work participation and all the things that make a difference to a country will fall into place. Unfortunately, neither the policy nor the law speaks of those aspects. And I think those were really very important and should have been looked at. And now the big question. Will the proposals by UP be able to tackle population growth like the government envisions? Ms. Chandra explains why she believes that the proposals may fail to achieve the objective. I feel at the end that this, a lot of people have said that this is um, a policy which has been made only keeping in mind elections, it's keeping in mind certain communities and that kind of thing. I am not going into that because that is not something that I am equipped to really comment on. But I certainly am equipped to comment on the, um, on the, on the, possibility of such a law or the possibility of such a policy becoming a success there i would say that these neither the policy nor the law would be able to do what is eminently needed which is to have a granular understanding of where high fertility is it is well known the nfhs data gives it even the district level health survey data gives it and people should comb the villages that fall on those districts, target only those families, and it doesn't matter which community it is, and see that contraception is made available. As a last thought, I did want to say that we had set up a call center, not, not a helpline, a BPO, a proper BPO in an industrial estate. Uh, that was to give information on reproductive and child health in English and in Hindi. And we had used the agents who had been, they were not doctors, they were just people who knew about reproductive health because they had studied biology, zoology. And people like that were trained in Maulana Azad Medical College, Delhi, and they used to answer questions from very remote districts, Purnia in Bihar, um, Shravasti in Uttar Pradesh. Now, people were starved of information, how to get which contraceptive, where to get it, if I don't get it, if it doesn't suit me, what do I do, where do I go? These were the questions that women asked in the privacy of their homes. I do feel that the Chief Minister of Uttar Pradesh has been bold enough to say a lot of very good things about the need for population stabilization and he has said it boldly and upfront but he really needs to do things which I mean adopt strategies which will work and it is from the strategies that the policy should be made and I don't think that much will be gained by getting after government servants or um, this political um, holding office, that's fine, but it's symbolic. It is not going to make a difference to the fertility or the fact that the girls need to be given the choice of contraception because the men are just not using it. And as a parting uh, comment, I do want to say that the National Health Policy 2017 had said that they wanted to push up male sterilization to 5%. It is still, below 0%. It's just a dot. It's a decimal point. 
that is really not acceptable. India is the only country in the world which puts women on operation tables to get sterilized with tubectomies. Really, this is the time to think differently. So the whole question of population stabilization is important. It is extremely important. Even your entire economy depends on how you handle it. But if you handle it well, you can very well bring down the fertility and have a young, youthful, buoyant population capable of filling in the huge need which is going to arise for younger people when the South gets um, elderly and old, which has started. And certainly countries abroad are getting very old and they will need that kind of support. And with proper skilling, Uttar Pradesh could be a gold mine. But not if you're going to use coercion because it will get struck down. It goes, it flies in the face of the conventions and policies that India as a country has adopted. Thanks for listening. Log on to the Quince website and check out our other podcasts. 